All right, guys, welcome to another Nizopi South Texas Golf Podcast, episode number 76. Special guest tonight is the director of the, instru- the lead instructor out at Cedar Creek Golf Course, Mike Ray, for On Par Golf. Now, it's a little bit different right here, having Mike on this show. Uh, he had a different position the last time he had him. I had him on the show, and he's going to talk just a little bit about some of those changes, some of the great programs he has going on there at Cedar Creek. Let's welcome Mike to the show. How you doing tonight, brother? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Great. I'm doing great, man. Now, hey, uh, a lot's changed since the last time you were on the show. A lot has changed. Yeah, a lot has changed. I uh, used to be a top golf. That was a very fun venture. Uh, now we're getting into kind of the contracting world and I'm kind of working working for myself. Uh, a little, and uh, we're getting some things rocking and rolling out of cedar out of cedar creek so i'm pretty excited about what the future has in store and um uh, getting some things rolling so well how's everything been going working under the umbrella of on par golf with ray garza and some of his leadership and also in that partnership with the uh, alamo city golf trail uh it's good man they, they take really good care of me um ray is just on the ball when it comes to kind of setting up relationships and uh, networking and you know just coming up with really good ideas for how to kind of create a business and grow a business and um, definitely thankful to him for for that sort of leadership and mentorship um, I'm really excited the, the golf trails um, you know been really good to me so far they give me really good access out to do pretty much anything I want at Cedar Creek they kind of let me do my own thing and, and that's something I really really appreciate um, so we have essentially full access to the golf course to um, do pretty much anything you want to do in golf. Uh, we can be the golf resource that you never knew you needed. Right. Well, shoot, man, you got some, you got some great facilities out there at, out there at Cedar Creek golf course. If no one's ever been out there, it's right there off of Kyle seal in 1604. Uh, there's a lot going on around it, man. I think the last time I played there, there wasn't as many homes, but there's a lot of construction. I can always hear some of my gente out there banging out some great Tejano music. <laughs> yeah, they have big speakers for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot, man, I'm happy for you because Ray Garza is one of my one of my best buddies, uh, great guy in the game, and I know uh, the Alamo City Golf Trail is always on the up and up, always trying to you know, trying to really work on improving facilities, having better, uh, better instructors. And it just seems like they keep, you know, dropping some bombs left and right in regards to, in regards to, you know, training and golf improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that the on par golf teaming up with the trail to kind of provide some instruction for the courses we do it at um, is really you know, a great partnership and, and kind of a great move on, on their half. Um, we, we kind of come in and just take over and, and do our thing, and they kind of give us the ring to do that. And, I mean, it's working out so far. Hopefully we can sort of branch this thing out to um, even more places. But uh, at Cedar Creek, you know, uh, full range, nice and big. It's surrounded by giant mansions. Um, there's a new Hollywood sign that says Cedar Creek out of the – the back part of the range. Uh, it was the green last maybe two weeks ago. 
Um, I, I rolled some balls today on them. Um, I mean, Cedar Creek's in great shape right now. Considering we're on our 143rd straight day without a one-inch rainfall in Texas, I'd say our, our courses are, are, are holding up pretty good. And we're in San Antonio spoiled with how much golf we get to play and how many courses we have to choose from. So if you're just not tip-top shape all the time, you always get some dissension. Um, but, but, you know, I think that's not really right. I think they're doing a great job, and uh, we're all lucky to sort of have a really affordable golf at some really awesome yeah. I'm in, to- I'm in total agreement there, dude. We, we had our, we had our tournament there on set. Sa- we had a tournament out there on Saturday out at Cedar Creek. And, and again, considering like you stated the 143rd day with no rain, I think the course is in fabulous shape. Uh, I wish I could have played, I wish I could have played better, but that's more of the user, the user issues. And so uh, Fred was, Fred was awesome. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, dude, I was telling you before we got on here, I said, that's huge for Fred, man. Cause I had some issues with Fred in years past and I think he's doing a great job out there. Everything's running tip-top shape. And uh, it was great, man. He had some great hospitality. Uh, I'm really thankful in the route the trail's going. And, again, I think it's only it was only 47 bucks to play out on a primetime rate, 10 o'clock. Uh, I mean, you can't beat that, you know. And that's with the ACGT uh, pass, right? That's, that's with your trail membership. And I'm level one because I'm a tight ass. Right. And – and for people that don't have the pass, I think it was only like 56 bucks with adding bad, especially to play a, a top rated course, a Cedar, you know, formerly a U.S. Open qualifying course, uh, top notch. San Antonio Open course, you know. It's, well, let's it's, get, let's get. It's a great course. Well, let's get right into some of the things you got, some of the things you got on your plate right now. You've just, you've just implemented a, a great new system, a great new plan right here to help golfers improve their games. Now, I know one of my, one of my boys, he's came out to you, uh, one of the leaders of a four-bro golf league, Jeremiah Sierra. He's gone out there and he's trained with you. Uh, my boy, Esteban, recently, uh, recently had a lesson out there with you. And, and man, you know what? He needs to see you again because, shoot, dude. He saw you for a lesson. He came out. He won the four bro two day bash, and he was just talking a lot of shit, saying how good Mike Ray. Mike Ray's got me. He's got me on that stack and tilt, and he's got me kicking ass. And he had me doing this little thing, and I said, "Dude, you know what? That's like cheating, bro." Yeah, the problem is uh, they can't have me on the bag when they go play. <laughs> but they can't. Start hitting the ball better, and then they just they don't they don't uh, you know they're like I got it I got it I don't want to mess with it anymore, and I think you know in the long run you could say I got it and keep working on it and keep maintaining it, so we'll have to get him back out here here again soon, that way he can get another win. Uh, well, yeah, hey, hey, his game's in a dark place, so he's been paying me he's been paying me out lately. And you know, what? he doesn't want to bet me anymore, and I'm like, I man, I'm he's like, throwing this boy under the bus. Hey, and I'm like, I'm like, if I'm if I'm taking your money on a on a regular, uh, there's something wrong. <laughs> right here, we got we got some we got some right here comments right here. Two of my favorite guys. Damn, you need to find some new friends. <laughs> Right here. Bottom of the barrel here. <laughs> and then my boy, Jake Munoz, the champ. All right, out there from our round on Saturday. We just had our 22nd uh, Bob Lasso tournament. We got some guys. We got some Holy Cross alumni here in town. My boy, Jaime Hernandez, that's his group. And uh, 
Jacob Munoz and Brandon Boggs were the two were the 22nd annual pre-Father's Day Bob Lassell champs. And they won it with even par out there at Cedar Creek. And that's a tough score for a two-man scramble. Even par for two two-man scramble? Yeah. That's phenomenal. Out out of Cedar? Yeah, that, that's solid out there at Cedar. The, the, we have a 75.1 rating from the Blue Tees. Well, well, thank God we were playing from the Whites. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, just saying it's hard. You know, the <laughs> same Blue Tees almost rate like 71. So, you know, they're telling me Cedar's only four shots for the almost. I think it's a couple shots harder than that, probably. <laughs> thank but. God, Jake. Thank God we were playing from the Whites. All right, Mike, now tell us just a little bit about this new program that you're coming out with. In, in order, you just talked about that, that being on someone's bag. And the program that you had going on, it's super similar to having you out on someone's bag because you know what? You always talk about, or one thing you've always talked about, and other other great coaches here in the state and in the, in the, in the area always talking about is playing better golf strategy. Absolutely. So first and foremost, I want to say that um, I see this sort of program as a supplement to working on your golf swing and, and creating better ball flights and stuff like that. Um, we can't just go out and just play golf endlessly and expect to get better. We need to have some practice time that's structured, some practice time um, that is actually focused on either creating new skills, building skill sets or maintaining skill sets. So that always has to be at the forefront of your practice. Now, that being said, whenever we start to learn some of these things in the range, we really need to get on the course and sort of figure out how to implement them, how how to create the right alignments and how to um, make sure that sort of we're, we're doing the same things, you know, when we go play, creating the process that, we're, that we were creating on the range. And, you know, everyone knows it's way different when you play. You know, you have all the different lies. You have all the different variables you can't contend with. You have you know, all the things that you can't control and you only get one try. Whereas it's easy to do stuff on a range when you can sit there three or four swing, calibrate some feel in and then go, you can repeat it. It's really, really hard to do that when you only have one try every 10 minutes when you're on a golf course, right? And you're constantly changing clubs and changing lies and changing distances. So you're constantly switching from like a full driver swing to, you know, a knock down to a green, to a chip shot, to a 40 foot putt, to Right. So there's a, a, it's really hard to create a system for sort of analyzing a lie, setting up a shot and kind of having a decision making system to help you kind of make the highest quality decisions you can. And I think that taking a lot of the emotion out of your decision making when you're on the course, because you have some good facts and some good um, heuristics on your side can do a lot of good um, for golfers. So being able to take that guy who, you know, hits the ball okay, but has no clue how to score, no clue how to how to get it in the hole from from you know 100 yards out, 50 yards out. We're trying to turn those three shots into two, or four shots into three, whatever it is, right? Um, applying some of those principles and helping, we're not going to change their, their ball striking and their, their uh, ball flight and game 40 yards and make him hit these tight draws overnight. Well, what we can do is say, hey, instead of this, you know, 60 from this spot, let's look at a different option and let's look at this shot a different way and just kind of help walk people through 
you know, this where they're currently at and then some things they can do to kind of be more consistent moving forward. So we have a, I have a program that I'm just starting. It's brand new. We're probably one day a week. Currently I'm going to set up a tea time um, for, I think I'll probably set up a nine hole day and an 18 hole day and uh, super good deal. It's the 18 holer is $200 a player, but that includes your golf. And like we were talking the, the green fee is $60, right? So you're getting four hours of personal instruction and some great golf time out on the course for a very reasonable rate. Uh, we do nine holes is a hundred bucks a player. So I'm selling out three seats for each one of those rounds. So I've created an online scheduler for that. We can get some, some links up later. Uh, I also opened up an online schedule for all my future lessons. We have some awesome things kind of coming down the pipe. Uh, this QR code right here, you can scan on your phone. Uh, that is for my like on the range, range trackman lessons. Um, but then I can also get, uh, send you a different one for, for the on-course stuff as well. You can always reach out to me through any of the social media platforms um, to get, get those links as well. Those are all in my bio, San Antonio Golf Pro. Um, yeah, that's just one of the things. So, you know, doing a lot of individual lessons on the range, um, but I'm also just trying to get my guys, get my go- girls out on the course more often and opening up some scheduling opportunities to do that. I know there's lots and lots of people in town who've, who've just talked about wanting the ability to try to do more playing lessons. It's hard to find someone who does that. It takes a lot of time. Um, it's expensive. I get all of those things. I'm trying to make it affordable, trying to make it a great high value sort of learning opportunity for everybody. And um, I think there's a lot of value there that can go a long way. And, you know, I've been a golf pro in town for over a decade now. I think I have a pretty solid reputation built and um, welcome anybody to come hang out with me and kind of see how we, how we do it out there. It's, it's so fun, man. Well, I, I, I always say this, that uh, one thing that I've learned as being running this podcast and being in the golf game for these past several years is that anybody's time is valuable. And especially if you have one of the top teachers, which, which is what you are here in the state, in the state of Texas, you're one of the top instructors and best young teachers. I don't know about young anymore. I mean, cause you're getting, you're getting up in age now. I got some grays. I got some grays. Uh, <laughs> in the silver fox category. Hey, hey, dude, that's what everybody wants nowadays, though, man. That's what everybody wants nowadays. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> but I, what I want to know is, uh, what I want to know is, is, is since we're getting th- those people, those customers that are getting you for that that round, those nine holes or those eighteen, do they also get the badass jams that you bring to the table? Always. I don't play golf without music. <laughs> without me. Without music I, and your bucket hat now, right? That's like a, a main staple of your game right now, of your fashion. Yeah, I, just, I really hate the sun kind of being all up in my business. <laughs> so I just try to wear, find find big hats and I wear them is what it is. <laughs> all right. We got a couple of videos right here that I'm going to post right now. If anybody is curious, because you know what? I've played with you several times and you've all, you've always found yourself in some shit behind some trees, some weird shots. And you know what? It seems like those moments, it seems like that's actually where you step your game up most when it requires, like, a, a handy shot. Yeah, whenever I have to create something. <laughs> Here we go. It's the one from the
There we go right there. And I got another one right here. Got some great shots out there. Got some great shots. I don't know. There might be some copyright issues here, so it might not show up in the in the stream later on when people can watch this due to copyright <laughs> copyright issues. But I'm hoping as long as I'm hoping it doesn't pick up on it just yet. I love. Don't get me wrong. Hey, I love me some Stevie Nicks, and it always seems like it's always that hook shot that you're always having to do to get you out of trouble. Yeah. So the the funny thing is that that's that's one of the biggest strategy pieces. Um, it's that all the, both of those shots there were actually just getting the ball back into position. Um, the first one was a little fun. It was on nine and almost, um, and I had to hit, keep the ball low for like 70 yards to keep it under these trees. So I punched a little two iron and it got four feet off the ground and kind of hopped and skipped its way back to the middle of the fairway there. Uh, and you know, that, that hook shot is just a really good way to kind of keep the ball fighted down and get it rolling a lot which is generally what you need to do to get out of trouble a lot of times. Um, and so both of those shots were just going sideways, getting out of trouble, um, you know, putting the getting the ball back in position. Once you get out of position, just take the one shot, get back in position, and get back on, on board. You know, I should have never been in those spots in the first place, but sometimes I just set shots up for the videos, I'm not going to lie. Um, also, I also hit the ball to those spots all the time, so I'm pretty good at them. Uh, you remember the... the <laughs> We did an oval at, at Golf Club of Texas way back in the day. I think that was my first first video when you're on the on the thing with me. So we're we're on nine. We were we were on nine. We were on nine oh, at Golf Club of Texas. That hook like fifty yards. Oh, do you hook the crap out of that ball? Okay, so if anyone's ever played a Golf Club of Texas, which is an amazing course, now we're playing there on on hole nine. And a lot of times, like that, that's the area I'm normally at, you know, because I have a, a bit of a slice or a bit of a cut. And I'm always behind those trees. And that day you were behind those trees as well. There's two trees right at the top, uh, right on the outside of the fairway, right? Right in the, the second cut. And uh, I was just like, in my mind, I'm like this, oh, dude, you know what? No, you don't have a shot. But then again, I'm like, I know you. You, you live for those moments. Yeah. Just don't put me in the middle of the fairway and I'm good to go. <laughs> but you you ran it up on that green. I'm over here like no way. And then sure enough, it comes back. You know, you hook it through. You get it through those trees, and you and you roll it up onto that green. Yeah, I hit like 15 feet. That was one of the best shots of the day there. Oh yeah. heck yeah, man! I mean, who cares if you shot a 75 that day? I mean, for for San Antonio Golf Pro, I mean, I don't know if that that's good enough. 75 is great for me, honestly. <laughs> I played I played almost the other day and I I chunked probably five wedges from 80 yards throughout the day and and I shot 76 or something played from the tips um, super happy I had four birdies but also had some doubles and some a bunch of other regular bogeys so you know pretty some pretty sloppy golf with some wedges every now and then but hey that's just kind of how golf is some days some days it's better than others. Um, you know, I've had some rounds where I hit 14 or 15 greens and I'll three putt seven times. And I'll have other rounds where I miss a lot of greens and um, one putt all day and shoot way better. So uh, getting better at golf is really just about improving your process and trying not to be results oriented. Right. You just want to be trying to get one percent better at something every day. Um, and the scores come in time. The 
process comes in time. We just have to make a mindful effort to be consistent and intentional with the energy and the time that we put into golf. And I think people aren't, I think they just kind of go through the motions too often and then sort of wonder why they don't reach the goals at the end of the day um, where, you know, you deserve the rewards for the work you never put in. And that's the biggest, the biggest coaching thing that I do all day long is just managing expectations and continually telling people to do it again. Well, I'm, I'm in total agreement right there because I saw Ray. I saw Ray. I went out to I went out to the on par facility out there at Mission Del Lago with Ray Garza, and I went out there in January. Right, I think right it was just right after the first. And you know, my game was in shambles. You know, my game was in shambles. Every time I was over the ball, I had no like zero confidence. And you know, and then yeah. I have Ray, and I'm and I'm and I'm sure you know Ray really well that. He's a very soft-spoken, very gentle, gentle teacher, right? And he doesn't make you feel like the big piece of shit you might be at times, right? And um, yeah, that's, that's my motivation tactic. And so, and so, you know, and it is great because you know what you you want to give people hope when they leave you, right? And you just kind of give them those little those those little glimpses of of hope, of a ray of sunshine. Yeah. And that's one thing he did for me. You know what? I, I wasn't fixed when I left the facility. But you know what? He gave me some drills to work at home. And I, I left feeling like a million bucks. And I think for guys like you, guys like Ray, uh, Christy, you know, everybody in the on-par family, AJ, that's what – it seems like that's what you're doing for your client is just that you want them, you want them to be able to, yes – to, to take what they've learned. And you also want to do bring them back to, to kind of clean them up a little bit and improve. But like you stated, you can't, you can't expect good things to happen when you're not get, putting in the time or the work. Yeah, man. So learning is a process of constant reintroduction, right? So just because you learn or you get something one day and you hold on to it for an hour does not mean you have that skill set mastered. You need to come back tomorrow and do it again and the next day and do it again. I think that frequency of doing an activity and reintroducing it to yourself constantly uh, is more important than like the overall duration of each individual practice session, right? So I'd much rather you take 15 focused minutes and put the effort into a certain part of your swing and do that once a day for 15 minutes than to try to shove in two hours at the end of the week where you know, we're getting a lot of complacent or lazy swings. And also, you know, our brain is not having to, our body's not having to relock into sort of the feels or the thoughts or the actions that we were creating the day before with whatever new piece it is. So whenever you learn a new skill set, there needs to be a pretty decent period of guided practice after that. And each day you reintroduce it, you should get it back a little bit faster and hold on to it a little bit longer, right? So first time you learn and you remember 50% of it, of it and you hold on to it for a day. And the second time it's reintroduced to you, you, you remember 60% of it and you hold on to it for a week. And the third time, you know, 75%, you hold on to it for a week and three days, right? And so after you reintroduce it to yourself a hundred times, it becomes a much more subconscious process that is more intuitive because you know what to expect. Your body can, your brain can pre-plan and anticipate what's about to happen. 
which lowers stress levels, lowers, um, you know, the overall like anxiety uh, over the unpredictability uh, of what's about to happen. If we know we have the reps and we know that we've been prepared, we know that we put in the work, we know what to expect, all that shit goes out the window, right? So when I, I, I tell people like, hey, here's how to fix your slice, here's the actual technical pieces, boom, 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 we hit it a few times, no more slices, we hold on to it for 10, 15 minutes in a lesson, cool, here's your drills, go home, work on it, great, they're out the door, they, they know, they know what's up. They go practice on their own, they come back two weeks later, and you know, there's somewhere in between where they left my lesson last time and where they started at, right? Because there's always going to be some regression. There's kind of a curve to that. So then I reintroduce, I say, hey, remember what we were working on last time? We need a little bit more of this. You're starting to fall back in your old ways. And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember what that was. And they get it back so much faster. I don't have to re-explain it. Boom, boom, boom. And we're working on the same things all the time, constantly. It's not a process of learning something new every single time you see me. It's more reiterating what we were doing last time and why and why you need to keep doing it and keep exaggerating it and doing it more. As you can tell, I get a little bit ramped up when I start talking about golf improvement. Um, I do love it a lot. Um, but it's a process, you know. Well, I'm telling you though, I think that's what that's what appeals the, your clients to you, and that's and that's what we uh, a lot of times as a hat golfer. You, you know, it. you want to be wanted, right? You want to be wanted. You want a coach to want to work with you. And you pick up on those vibes, you know, you pick up on those vibes. And, and I remember when, when Ray hired you and when Ray brought you on to on par golf and I was like this, man, that's freaking huge for you, Ray. I said, it's huge for you and for Cedar, because you know what? I, I know Ray always wants to put out a quality product. And, and I'm going to tell you on the reels, because you know what? I don't think every instructor is out there for the same reasons. You know, yes, it's a business. Yes, don't get me wrong. I know you're you ain't out there just for fun, but you know what? You also want to go to work. You want to go. You want to go to. You want to go to a job where you want to be wanted and you want to see what you're doing and love what you're doing. And I think you know, in, in talking with Estevan and talking with some of the other people that are just like, oh man, Mike raised the shit. Mike raised badass. And again, but you know what? You also want to be make sure that you're putting out a quality product. You know, and like. Like I'm telling people is that you, you can't just go one time and think it's it's fixed. You know, you can't right. because I'm I'm in the back. I got my hitting head in the back and I'm like, I'm always working on these drills. And especially when my 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 swing is struggling, I'm like, OK, Ray gave me these drills. I, I got to work on these drills, you know. But again, when I work on those little things, like you stated about that anxiety level, you know, you bring that anxiety level down and. <laughs> Oh, and Jake, my boy Jacob, I missed the Mike Ray from Top Golf. Yeah, that guy was pretty cool. He was pretty dope. Yeah, the, he's, he's still in there I somewhere, he, right? I, he's, he's still in there somewhere. I think he meets the Mike Ray at ten o'clock at night after the after the virtual. Golf. <laughs> he needs the Mike Ray at Flores Country Store. That's that's the Mike Ray that that we all love. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. All right, one of my boys right here, Mike Osterman right here, he has a good question. What do you suggest for those that shoot better after a few beers? Start drinking earlier? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Why don't you just drink before you come to the course? Why don't we <laughs> tee off a big first hole? <laughs> yeah, I don't see anything wrong with it. There you go. There you go. All right, Mike, uh, as your time in the game, has there ever been any of those success stories where you've really been, one of your students has made you feel, one of your students has made you feel proud or you've been proud of the work that you put in and you've seen the fruits of their labor? 
Dude, I had one of these moments the other day. I almost started crying. Oh, my God. Andy, I feel so old. Uh, so back in the day when I was like, I don't know, this is probably six, seven years ago. Uh, I had this young, skinny, like, this is probably eight, nine years ago, actually. Young, skinny, tall, lanky kid come in. His name was George. Uh, he was in eighth grade, about to go into ninth grade. Was really interested in getting onto the golf team. I never really played golf. Uh, really good hand-eye coordination. You know, I kind of got him started in the game and took him out and played a bunch of golf with him. We worked on his swing. Um, he ended up getting a college scholarship to go play golf. Uh, they ended up winning two. Um, I'm not exactly sure what division it is. I have to look it up. Winning two uh, two golf championships, and he was on that team. Um, he graduated with a mechanical engineering degree. Just turned out to be a, a super awesome gentleman. Don't get me wrong; his parents deserve all the credit for who he is as a person and a man. Uh, but I started in golf, and he turned something freaking awesome. Um, and then I randomly messaged him. Was like, "Dude, congrats on all your success! Like, you know, happy you're still playing golf." He was like, dude, I could never have done any of this without your your help and blah blah blah. You know, I can't thank you enough for getting me started. And that one really, right there, right there, buddy. That one was that one was really cool. So, so. that's that's icing on the cake right there because that just kind of gives you affirmation that you're doing more than just you're, you're teaching more than just golf. You know? Sure. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I. Yeah. I do love it, man. I really love teaching golf. Uh, I love it a lot. Um, I, yes, I do it for money. I do it to, to feed my family, to feed my kid, to pay my bills. Um, but if my bills are already paid, I would definitely do it for free, 100 million percent. So Right here. we got a great, great comment right here by Craig. Can you ask Mike his thoughts on the value, his thoughts on value pre-shot routine and further – if he has any strong opinion on how the long, how long the process should take, from thinking about the alignment, win, lie, club selection, and then executing. Great comment. Great question, Craig. Phenomenal question. And yes, there's probably not a question you could answer that I'm not going to have an opinion about. Um, but if you do <laughs> find one, let me know, and I will research it. Um, so pre-shot routines definitely very important. Uh, so how long they should take is really going to vary, right? So when you have a bunch of um, variability in the wind and in some of the different things that you can't control, like your lie, um, so if your ball maybe might be sitting down or sitting on a weird hill, uh, something that you haven't practiced, uh, maybe the wind is blowing, you're trying to figure out exactly which way the wind is, how strong it is, what club you need to take, what shot we're going to hit here. When you add in a lot more of those extra variables, it's going to take a little bit longer to kind of land on a number land on a shot, and, and go. Counter to that is if the nice and calm and you're a good golfer and you've played the course before, you know what the lines are, you don't have to think about what clubs you're hitting, um, you can get up there quick, right? There, If you had a caddy, like, there wouldn't be a lot of conversation between you and the caddy because you already know what the number is. You already know what holds your hit and drive. You already know what holds your hit and hybrid. You already know what the, the, the clubs are on your par threes, right? So if you don't know the course – and or there's lots of extra variables there, it's going to take longer. Um, 
the whole point of a pre-shot routine is to get you set up to create a very clear intention for what you're about to try to execute. So the first step to consistency is having a very clean way to come up with a decision about what you're about to try to do. The actual execution of that might not be great all the time, but if you can come up with a very clear intention with a good plan before you try to execute it all the time, first and foremost, you'll have a very good benchmark to actually judge your execution on, right? If I'm just very general, I want to hit the ball that way and I hit the ball that way, but maybe it's a 40 yard hook, but it ends up in the middle of the fairway. I can be like, oh yeah, that's a good swing. You know, it's in the middle of the fairway. That's not what I was intending to do. I hit one that way, but I had no specificity to how I wanted the ball to fly, how I wanted to curve high, low, whatever. So the higher your skill level is, the more things you think about, but also the more things that are intuitive that you can just pick up on, make a decision and go. Um, I think in all reality for recreational golfers who are bogey golfers or worse, um, your main question to ask yourself is how do I avoid double bogey on this hole? Like how, what clubs do I have to hit to make bogey or better on every single hole? And once you do that, then you start asking yourself, you know, how do I make par better on every single hole? And so you're making decisions based on those answers, not can I carry this bunker at 275? Yeah, I can, but we got a little extra wind. I don't know how hard it's blowing. I might not hit it well, et cetera, et cetera. If I do leave it back, I'm making double every time. Maybe I go left or right or I lay up short and, you know, play for uh, a hard part. Like lots of different, um, you know. Different variables. Yeah, oh, of course. And, and I think – and, and I think one thing, like I stated, one of the best instructors that I've had the prov- I've had the privilege of having on the show here several times in a great relationship is Ray Garza, uh, you know, the, co- the, the founder, uh, the head, of, the, the lead instructor for On Par Golf out there at Mission Delago. And uh, one thing he, he's always told me is that even when you're not playing well, uh, you still want your, your swing to be there for you, right? And I think that's, that's some of the things that, that y'all as good instructors are able to do is that, hey, in those moments you're grinding, those moments and you're instructing, it's you want that, that swing, you know, t- to be there for you when you need it the most. And I think that's the thing with PGA players or, you know, good to gr- or great to, you know, to good players is that they're able to limit their mistakes. Yeah, if you any of the range on a day-to-day basis, you would see them grinding the same details in every single day, the same alignments, the same processes. They're just using those processes and those steps and series of actions to create feels they can take out to the golf course, help them execute their shots. So it's, you know, it's, it's one big circle, but it's really, really, really important that you have um, a decent way to make a decision about what you're about to try to execute. All right, here, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to go ahead and speak just a little bit on our sponsors right here. Hey, guys, I really want to thank my league right here, my golf league right here, 4Bros 2.0. You can check us out on Facebook, see our schedule. we got a great schedule, great lineup. If you don't have a home, we have a home for you at 4Bros Golf, 4Bros 2.0 Golf League. <laughs> okay, all right. now getting back to some of these comments right here, we got some great comments from some of my boys out here, some of our followers and some of our listeners out there. We got some great comments. Let's see if I can get to those right here. All right, so right here. Uh, right here, we got Freddie Garcia. I still have my one free hour lesson. Is it still valid? Now, he won that 
for, for finishing last place at the Four Bros Golf Bash. Hey, lucky for him, I just created an online scheduler that he can use. Huh? <laughs> there you go. There you go. And we will make sure to include that in the in the show notes right here. Also, Jake Munoz, can you ask Mike if he can help Arnold with his with his mood swings? <laughs> no, I, I am not a therapist. <laughs> but you know what? You can't help him with this. He, he's got he's got a bit of a edgy attitude when he's on the course. He's got some. Do you work on golf etiquette? Because Freddie's got some got some golf etiquette problems. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> Have him come play with me. Come play with me. I'll show you. I'll show you about etiquette. <laughs> and right there, Freddie. Wow, Jacob Munoz. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, there's no reason to get mad on the golf course. None of you guys That's are right. good enough to have that, those high expectations. You're on the golf course. Chill out. Thank Don't get you, paid dude. to do it. Thank you, Mike. All right. Okay, let's get into some other things that's going off in the golf world right now. What are your thoughts on all this live talk? I mean, it's it's just everyone keeps saying it's a dark ah. cloud, but I don't I don't think it's a dark cloud over golf right now. I think it's a great time for golf. Oh man, I I think that the PGA Tour and a lot of its sponsors has to really put out a, a pretty big media storm to kind of, you know protect themselves i think the live has come in and and money talks man you know I, in a way like these players kind of got to be you know to some extent i can't imagine that um they're going to be allowed to just express their feelings openly on anything and everything saudi arabia right you're making you're sort of signing papers with with people and making deals with the devil that you don't really know Exactly what what is gonna be uh, involved, other than knowing that you're gonna have to go play those leagues. So you know, we're gonna get put in some really weird spots and some some press rooms and ask some weird questions about some you know Saudi Arabian governmental actions, and they're gonna have to be like, you know, I'm just here to grow the game because they're not allowed to talk about it, right? Um, on this flip side. I guarantee you a lot of the CEOs that run a lot of the companies that sponsor uh, a lot of the, the tournaments on the PGA tour and a lot of the people, I guarantee you they all have some vested interests in some Saudi companies and some Saudi, you know, investments and stuff in the background as well. I think that um, at that level of money is more global and everyone is, has vested interests and things behind the scenes so publicly, they they are one way, but in their own private life, like with everyone, they're they're a completely different way. So, me personally, I don't hate on any golfer for going to make the money. Um, I don't think any of them are allowed to be just be openly like, "Hey, I want to play less golf and make more money." And the PGA Tour doesn't offer me that opportunity. They're not allowed to say that, right? They gotta just be like, "Hey, I, I want to do this new tour. I want to grow the game." Blah blah blah. But like everyone is thinking, everyone knows. That when you get offered generational wealth, you take it. Right? So, but a lot of the guys that are going there are also, they're also kind of like the outcasts on tour. Like the Kepkas, the Reeds, the Dustin Johnsons. They're the guys that that don't really care about the legacy. They're not there to make friends. They just are there to do their own thing, right? Um, Or guys that are have some injuries or guys that are kind of past their prime. The Westwoods, the Sergios. 
Um, the Kevin Nas, no offense, I think Kevin Nas still kind of in his prime. Um, he's playing great golf. But when he's been on tour, as long as he has, has won as many times as he can, he can retire, take his full PGA Tour pension, and go play on LIB. I think he's got he's got the setup, right? So, you know, I don't know how much personal feelings uh, matter, but, you know, hopefully well, I, I they can uh, do something to bring the price of gas down. They got Jacob Munoz, especially when gas is ten dollars a gallon. And you know what? These guys, these guys have to do what's in their best interest because at the end of the day, they are just independent contractors. And I, I hate, I hate how people keep saying the loyalty to the tour, the loyalty to the tour. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's still a business. It's still a job. And you know what? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen, Mike? If if you're not, if you can't show up to work, you know what? They're gonna get somebody to replace you, right? I mean, you're you're only you're only as good as you are when you come into work. And trust me, like the deep enough, the Corn Ferry Tour is deep enough. There's so many players out there with so much talent um, that find it hard to just make it into some of these events. That if they did, I'm sure, and they had the right week or the right opportunity, they would just take off as well. Um, so I'm really excited to see some of these new names come up. Um, I'm excited to see more competition. I'm excited to see kind of where this live thing goes. Um, I do understand the, sort of the moral implications behind, you know, having Saudi backed money in anything. But at the same time, every country in the entire world has some sort of bad corporate entities that are sponsoring things around the world that, that we as consumers enjoy. And, you know, it's just kind of, how the world works and i don't think that we should admonish any individual player for so well you know what got get our i mean he's not our hometown boy but he lives here you know abraham answer was one of the he abe. was what abe yeah honest abe he was one of the commitments one of the guys that just recently committed brooks keppel was the most recent one and they say they have three spots open that are next uh that that are left to fill there for the lineup out of Pumpkin Ridge out there in, uh, I guess, where is it? Uh, where is it? See, is it Oregon, right? Oregon, Portland, Oregon, somewhere out there, right? I'm not too sure. Uh, uh, but that. <laughs> if I said I knew that, I'd be lying. <laughs> well, I know they're in the States, right? They're here in the States. And I know, you know what? Honestly, I was curious and I checked it out. There you go. Portland, Oregon. Boom. Thank you, Jake. And I checked Portland, it out last Oregon, time. Yeah. I, I, I checked it out last time. I'm loving the shotgun start. And I'm also loving that it's just golf. Like it just, you just, if, if you want golf, it's there. And the coverage wasn't bad. The crowds were decent and it's interesting. You know, I, I do like, I do like seeing some of these it's other guys. But I'm going to tell start. you, I don't, I don't know where the return on the, I don't know where the return on the investment is going to be yet. Um, again, it's not my, it's, I don't really. Okay. Um, but right here. I, it's, Let's bring, let's, bring up this, let's bring up this comment right here from Mrs. Mrs. Laura Kaufman-Reed, uh, the general manager out at beautiful Alsatian Golf Club. You made some great points about this. Why has Spieth, Scheffler, and Thomas been quiet on this? It, it really is Pandora's box. I believe the PGA has to make some changes, and they have responded. Thank you, Mrs. Reed, for commenting. Uh, again, if you've never been out to beautiful Alsatian Golf Club in Castroville, Texas, 
It is a beautiful course. I thank you so much for their support and always being the home of Four Bros 2.0, our home course. If you haven't been out, I was just out there on Tuesday night in beautiful, great condition. Hospitality is always on point. Uh, man, and plus they have Juliana's right next to it. You know what? I've packed on about 20 pounds, and I want to let you know uh, Juliana's is, is partially to blame. Mrs. Reed, you're partially to blame, too. Uh, and so, so I'm trying to just make sure I eat nothing but healthy stuff out of Juliana's. Great food, great course. If you've never been out, you, I always talk good stuff about it because, you know what, it's true. Uh, the myths, all the legends are true. Make sure you find out for yourself at beautiful Alistation Golf Club out in Casterville, Texas. All right, so we got right here, as, as we got these guys making the jump right here, you know, there's about to be some big names that are already going to come out that that are yet to come out. And Mrs. Reed made a great point is that uh, as she's, you know, at the PGA has responded and they're, they're putting these big, huge purses out and everyone's like, well, see, Phil was right. The money was there. The money was there. It's out there. And it, they're forcing the PGA's hand, but it shouldn't have had to come to this. Yeah, I mean, she she asked the question, why have Spieth and Scheffler and Tom has been quiet on this? Uh, probably because they don't want to rustle any feathers. Probably because they have um, a lot of corporate sponsors and a lot of other people with vested interests in them that don't want to see them sort of step out of line and, and um, you know, offer up personal opinions on them. Um, and even when you look at guys like Morikawa and Rory, um, how they have been – sort of polarized as figures whenever they've come out and given, oh, well, you know, these guys taking the money is bad. We should be playing the game at this level for the glory and the history and the tradition. And you know what? Some people's priorities are different. And I wouldn't admonish people for taking the money or taking the glory. I I don't, don't really care, but I, I don't know if they can comment on things because, like I said, they might have some friends that are going. They might be going. Uh... They don't want to piss anybody off. All these, all these things. Also, like, why, why put it in your opinion when you can just sit on the sidelines and just keep collecting the money and collecting the checks? And they're almost encouraging all the good players to go because they're just going to make even more of a, a lion's share of the money on the PGA RDR, right? So uh, the PGA Tour is definitely being forced. Um, they don't have a monopoly. They might not have a monopoly very much longer. Um, but again, that being said. PGA Tour is certainly not going anywhere. How long will live last? I think that's the, really the big question. Where's the RO? Where's the judges that are going to back this league and grow it to what it really could be into kind of a global thing? Um, if that happens and they get some world ranking points, then they can be considered sort of more legitimate. But whenever they're, the format of their tournament is so different from all the other professional golf tournaments in the world, it's really hard to give world ranking points and stuff for wider fields, less time on the course, less holes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Oh, yes, totally agree. Now, now, Mike, what's one of your favorite courses out here on the Alamo City Golf Trail that you like to frequent out at this time? And you can't say Cedar Creek because you work there, so you know what? I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. <laughs> I know a lot of people when they when they leave work, they just want to leave work. Cedar Creek. Uh, favorite hole. Favorite hole out there. So, um, what, favorite hole at Cedar Creek? Yes. Ooh. 
Uh, the T 18, the T shot on 18 is my favorite shot. I can hit it 400 miles left and it always ends up over the car path. Right. Great. Um, no, my favorite course, uh, on the trails. I really like, uh, I really like the new almost design. It's so much fun. Um, Northern Hills and Riverside, I think are kind of like, you know, other than Cedar Creek, of course, I think those are, those are up there. So I would really encourage uh, anyone to go check those out. Um, once Brack heals up and kind of um, all the construction over there is done, that one gets back into great shape. Again, historical, super fun to play um, as well. But like I said, I really, I really like the almost layout and the uh, north, uh, northern hills as well. Northern hills greens are just amazing right now. Like I mean, they're just they're just fast. They're amazing. I, I love that. I love that track. It's it's one of the best tracks out there within the Alamo City Golf Trail. All right. So I got to announce my winners from last week. I had Ian Parnaby on the show, a Callaway guy. I'm sure you, I'm sure you know I'm sure you know them Callaway guys. Mike, I do. I do. <laughs> and uh my winners right last week, I have Annabelle and Chris Espinosa. They're going to receive a dozen Callaway golf balls. I don't know what kind, so hopefully I'm going to tell Ian to make sure he ponies up and gives me the premium ones. And then I got Jacob Munoz and Phil Reyes winning some Callaway hats. I know they lo- they love Phil. They love Philly boy. They love lefties, so that's going to go great with them. Hell yeah. All right. All right, Mike. One of the last things here is there – why don't you tell us a, a story about maybe the craziest shot where you've had to use some of these things that you're trying to use your strategy and to teach some of your students to get themselves out of trouble. I know you're, I know you're from Florida. I know you played college golf over there, so you've played a minute. So what has been maybe that one time where you've had to use everything in your tool bag to get you out of a tight spot? Woo! I mean, it seems to happen at least once every round. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's so many to choose from. But um, I do remember there was a shot. Uh, is that Canyon Springs, I think. Um, I had to hit this on whole... What hole was it? Hole five? The par five? Um, so I, I block it right into the tree, uh, kind of up near the trees on the right over by the cart path. And I had to hit this. I had like 240 in, uh, a little bit downwind, and I had to aim like 30 degrees left and hit this 150-yard slice peeler. And I hit it all the way up to right into the middle of the green. And um, – it was the we were on the back nine of a match. We had started on ten um, earlier that day, and we were actually on the back nine of the match. And that shot sealed the match for me. Um, the, my opponent was dormy on that hole, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Just one random shot. It's completely anecdotal, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I went for the glory there because uh, my miss was still going to end up in a fine spot. Um, my miss on that shot. Whenever I knew that I had to slice it, my miss is I'm going to aim a little more left. My miss is going to be curving it too much, right? Um, one thing about the the famous Dustin Johnson quote that that whenever you got to hit a slice, you just got to make sure it slices, right? So <laughs> that's that's really the goal. Is I'm doing everything in my power to make sure that the face stays open to the swing path as I'm hitting the ball um, to really get that thing peeling hard. And uh, it was just a really cool shot. 
Um, I won a bunch of money that day. and mm, Even better. Icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, the last thing right here. What is what is maybe the best tip you can give uh, that golfer that's trying to break, you know, that's trying to break into the 80s from 90 to 80s? Yeah, so, like, breaking 90s into 80s, the, like, the main – the main determinant of that is going to be proximity to the hole on your approach shot, right? So not necessarily hitting the green in regulation because I can hit the green in regulation and be, have a 75 foot putt, right? That's not like overtly a great shot. Okay. So if I am 150 yards from the hole and I'm a, uh, and I shoot, I'm a bogey golfer. I shoot 90 all the time. If you could get your ball within, say, 15 yards of the actual flagstick, you'd be doing great. That's about 10%, right? Uh, 10% proximity to the total distance of the shot. If you could keep it 10, 12% at that 90 level and you could get more looks at either decent putts or decent chips for birdie and uh, no two chips, no three putts, no penalty shots. Damn, so, that's, you're talking about my whole game. That's my whole game right there. Right? Get the penalty shots out, get the double chips, and get the three putts out. And then you got to get the ball closer to the green so that you can get the ball. So we have really, really decent looks at par every single time. Whether that's a one-foot tap-in or whether that's a, a four-footer that's makeable, we need to figure out how to get the more looks at birdie and par throughout the day. And – you know, the, the difference between the guy that's shooting 95 and the guy that shoots 75, they make one – the guy that shoots 75 makes one more birdie per round on average. So bogey avoidance is the key aspect to dropping the scores below 90. Bogey avoidance and double bogey avoidance, right? For every 12 – for every double bogey you make, you're going to have to play like 15 holes of your normal average level mediocre to your skill golf to make up for those two strokes you lost on that one hole. Right. So keeping things to bogey or, or better and making all your decisions in that case is kind of like the way to go. And so I would hundred million percent keep the ball in play off the tee, get it up by the green somewhere, and then I work the crap out of my chipping and putting to make sure I can get up and down out of the trash can. All right, Mike. Thank you so much, brother, for being on the show. Guys, I will include in the show notes, I will include the QR codes to schedule with Mike to hit up on his new playing better strategy. Also, all you have to do is share, and I will include that here, and I will put that out there. All you got to do is share this podcast, and Mike will give one lucky person a 30-minute Trackman rain session. Yes, On Par Golf at Cedar Creek does have the best and the greatest technology out there to help improve your game. They are powered by Trackman. So Mike has been generous enough. He's going to give us, he's going to give one lucky person. Now all you got to do is share this podcast, get it out there. One 30 minute, one free 30 minute Trackman session out there with Mike out there at Cedar Creek. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you for being on the show, brother. Keep rocking, dude. My pleasure, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Let's do this again next year. Yes, sir. I really want to thank Mike. I want to thank On Par Golf. Thank you for Alamo City Golf Trail for the relationship that they have with On Par Golf. These are quality instructors, quality instructors that are doing some great work out there. 
people that you can trust and they don't make you feel like <laughs> they don't make you feel like shit when you leave the course right here right when they when you leave the course now right here i want to thank you to my sponsors i want to thank you to four bros 2.0 golf league out there four bros 2.0 golf league out there never golf alone again if you don't have a home come join us you have a home out there with us at four bros 2.0 i want to thank demonte and thor for i want to thank for thank blackbird golf co for the freshest, dopest gear here in San Antonio, our own golf apparel company, veteran-owned, great stuff coming out. They will be having the second annual Blackbird Golf Inv Scholarship Invitational to be held on October 19th out at uh, Quarry Golf Course, beautiful course, great Great fellowship, great times. I'm so proud to be a, a, a part of them, to have their support. I want to thank Alistation Golf Golf Club. Thank you to Miss Laura Reed for being a great supporter of the show and being a supporter of 4 Bros 2.0, our host league. Make sure you come check us out. Every Tuesday, we have our 10-hole league. This is this is the only 10-hole league, the best damn 10 holes in Texas out there at Alistation Golf Club. Also, I want to say a special shout-out to my boy, Ben. Ben out there, right there, swing hard, swing hard in case you hit it. He's got hey these beautiful shirts out there at Ben's Golf Shop. I was talking with Alex. I said, "What is the name of the course? What is I'm sorry? What is the name of the company? What's the name of the business?" He goes, "Well, business purposes, it's C3. Uh, it's Ben's Golf Shop. Uh, you know, San Antonio Repair Shop. It's the best uh, stick and glue shop here in town." Man, uh, thank you for Ben's friendship. Uh, he's not only a great businessman, but he's also one of the best damn people I know out there. Uh, it was a great time going out there and catching up with Ben and Alex. They do quality work. Uh, they fix up some other people's mistakes and they're always doing a great quality job. And you know what? They're never trying to get rich off of you. And, um, it was great just to chat and catch up with these guys right here. Jeremiah, right? My boy, Jeremiah. Great show. Love you guys. What y'all doing for the game of golf? Thank you, Jeremiah, for your support. He is the golf father of Four Bros 2.0, one of my best bros. Thank you for your friendship. And my boy, Estevan. I know I ragged on him a little bit today, but he's one of the, he's one of these guys that has been a great friend to me. Always love playing with him. Hell of a golfer. And uh, Estevan, thank you, brother, for always your support. Uh, thanks so much to everybody tuning in out there. I will select one listener, one viewer, or anybody that shares this post. Share it out. Please share as much as you can so we can continue to keep growing this thing. Thank you for your support. Remember, in the game of life, nothing is OB.